presence in your life every moment, every second, every hour. Amen. I want to kind of challenge you tonight to seek that. And as we're getting to Psalms 16, um, we're making we're making headway, um, working as hard as we can, pretty much around the clock, literally, um, to get stuff done. We'll, we will have those bathrooms done by Sunday, so we will have um, that going full force. Some things will still be untrimmed and finished, but we'll be a lot better off Sunday. So uh, continue to bear with us. Uh, as we work, and um, thank you for everybody that is working, and again, there's stuff to do. If you haven't had a chance to serve yet, don't miss out on that. Don't don't be six months down the road saying, man, what a beautiful building, and you didn't do anything to help us build it or clean it or anything like that. You might not have a skill, but you can clean. Everybody can take their hand and wipe stuff down, amen? So we'd love to have your help this Saturday. We could do another good deep cleaning um, from side to side, so please just contact me or ask somebody how or when, and we can use that help because we still have a lot of dust, and it continues to settle. We'll always have some dust because we're where we're at, but we're going to try to keep it nice, amen? And uh, some of you are fanning. It's because we're still messing with that, too, and trying to get that stuff working, and this, things aren't on schedules yet, so... Bear with us, amen. Lots of stuff is, is going forward, but we're, we're seeing progress, amen. And uh, we're excited about Sunday. It was a great turnout, I think, for the first service. It was a great turnout. And um, I, I actually didn't even mean to put all 200 chairs out, and we did. I was just testing it, and it was pretty full. So, amen. We're going to see. Well, I'm, I'm looking for the day that Wednesday night is full. We'll have packed out on a Wednesday night, amen. So it, it might seem kind of kind of low in here, but just to give you perspective, it might seem like low because there's a lot of empty chairs, but this is 40 more chairs than we had over there, and so that's that's a lot. So don't don't think that we're uh, we're going backwards, we're going forwards. Amen. One thing I do want to say, since I think I don't think we have any visitors tonight, I don't believe so. Um, I can I can say that is we're gonna, what we're going to do going forward. I know Jimmy uh, was doing a lot of uh, guiding Sunday morning, and he and he has a certain way he wants us to park, and there's nothing wrong with that. But going forward, if you're if you're not a leader or an usher or praise team or anywhere in that uh, uh, on the on the team, so to speak, um, not that you're not core, but if you're not those people, then go ahead and come park in the front. Okay, so we want all the leaders, ushers, core, or, or, or praise team, people who get here early, we're going to park in the back, and uh, the, everybody else park in the front. The reason is, is if you drove by right now, there's about four cars out there, and it doesn't look like anything's going on, and so we need that front parking lot to look like it's going on, amen? There's a lot of cars back here, so just remember that. I know when you first come in, 98% of us are coming from the, the south, and so we come across Ganser to get here, and then you automatically go in the back. So you kind of automatically go to there if you see cars. So just kind of train yourself to go right if you're not a leader or praise team. And um, one good thing about the way the direction is, is is on Google and on Google Maps and stuff, the um, pointer is kind of like up past the RVs. So if we do have a visitor come, they will have to go to Millam and take a U-turn. And they'll have to come back in the front entrance. So that's a good thing. So we want, we want everybody. How many have been over there in the entryway in our welcome center area? Have you everybody been there? Isn't it beautiful? And it's not even finished, but isn't it beautiful? So we want people to walk in and say, wow. And it's, it's nice back here too, but that's the whole idea is we want them to walk through there. So please remember that Sunday morning. Psalm 16, verse 11. 
Uh, I want to read something very powerful, and I want to talk again about the presence of God. Uh, some, some might not totally understand what that is, or how it is, or who it is, or how you can have it, but I want to hopefully explain that to you tonight. So it says, you will show me the path of life, and watch this and underline this if you, if you do that in your Bible, in your presence, underline that, presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. Father, I thank you for this Wednesday night service. I thank you for everyone that's here. Lord, we pray for all those that are out and gone and out of town or sick or whatever they're at tonight. And pray for those that are here that we would just have a great Wednesday night, Lord, that you'd speak to us. And Lord, we would begin to usher in the presence of God into this place as this is our home. This is our place that we gather together, that your presence would be powerful in this place. Lord, just as we felt as we were praying and worshiping, that your presence would be evident and ever present and a help in time of trouble to us, Father. And we bind every spirit of darkness, every spirit of witchcraft, every spirit of sorcery, every spirit of divination, every foul spirit of demonic activity that would try to hinder the power and the presence of God filling this place every service and moving in our lives in a powerful way. And we ask you to just anoint these words for the next few minutes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So he says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Now I'm going to get into some stuff tonight, but I want you to understand that if you are in the presence of God, it doesn't matter what's going on. He says when you're in his, how many have realized and recognized, and if you haven't, you can by tonight learning, that you can be going through a real struggle in your life, but the presence of God is evident, and you can handle it. Have you ever been in a real struggle, real trial, real problem, uh, real thing you're going through and just felt like, how do I feel so much peace right now? Why am I not tripping? Why am I not stressing out? Why am I not uh, scared? It's because of the presence of God. Amen? I don't, I don't think we understand, and hopefully tonight we will, the presence of God is like oxygen. I mean, we need oxygen to breathe, amen? We, we need to be able to inhale and stay alive. We need the presence of God to stay alive spiritually, and we need to make sure that it is around us all the time. And I'm kind of going to get into how we can make sure we have that. So if you're taking notes, dedicated to the presence of God is what I want you to write down. That's the title, dedicated to the presence of God. Why dedicated? Because when you dedicate yourself to something, it means, as the dictionary says, you devote your time and effort to that task or that purpose. So you say, we could get to a place where we wake up in the morning and we say, God, I'm going to devote myself and dedicate myself to making sure that I'm in the presence of God today. How many know that it doesn't matter what you go through, you're going to make it if you can do that? I'm going to devote myself and dedicate myself to a single-minded loyalty of having the presence of God in my life. I want to read a quick story. It says, um, a man named D, this is about a man named D and his uncle Bill, okay? Because I think a lot of times Christians um, and believers, we, we kind of get the whole uh, pray for, praying for the food thing down, you know, and, and maybe, hey, God, good morning, or 
um, thank you for this or thank you for that. We, we kind of have gotten that now. Maybe you're a new believer or been saved for a while and you kind of, okay, I don't forget to pray for my food when I, when I, you know, I'm getting that down and, and you talk to God during the day, but we might not understand how important it is to seek the presence of God, to seek God as, as he is. So it says when D was a young boy, uncle Bill came for a two week visit to stay with his family. It seems Uncle Bill knew how to win over a boy. Does anybody remember growing up having an aunt or uncle that really influenced you that you just, I, I have one. My, I remember my Uncle Bob. He just lives two or three miles from up here. I just remember being eight or ten years old and just, I just loved him. I just loved being around him. He, didn't, he wasn't around much, visited from Texas to Arizona. But if you ha- ever have somebody in that, like that in your life, maybe it's not a family member, but someone that would just come around and you just wanted to be with them, that's kind of what this story reminds me of. So it says that he knew how to win over D, and so every time he'd see him, he'd give him a nickel. And so by that, D was immediately drawn to his uncle, and a few minutes later, Uncle Bill pulled out another nickel and said, stay close, and you'll get more. So when D was a young boy, or sorry, throughout the day, uh, D would receive nickels. He would just keep getting them from his uncle. And the next day, Uncle Bill told him that he had a big pocket full of nickels with more in his suitcase, and he could have a nickel anytime he asked for one. So D stayed close to his Uncle Bill and received nickels anytime he asked, and sometimes even when he didn't ask. On the third day that the boy said to Uncle Bill, Wouldn't it be easier on both of us and save a lot of time if you just give me all the nickels right now? Now see, that's how a boy would think, amen? And unfortunately for Dee, his mother was just around the corner, overheard her son say that, immediately reprimanded him for asking for money. But Uncle Bill said to the mom, I have given him permission to ask me for a nickel anytime he wants. It's okay. Then Uncle Bill turned to the boy. Now watch this. And he said, if I give you all my nickels now, you'll no longer come to me. I want to be your friend. I want to do things with you. I want you to be in my presence. So anytime the boy asked, he got a nickel. When the boy and the the uncle went to town together, he'd give him a quarter. When they went fishing, he got a dollar. And by the time Uncle Bill's visit came to an end, Uncle Bill had become Dee's favorite uncle and his best friend. What's the thought there? That's sometimes what we expect and want from God. Don't we ask God, what, can't you just give it to me all right now? Have you ever asked, and maybe it's not just the presence of God, but the answer. Can you just tell me the answer now? Can you just show me what the future is? Can you just show me how this is going to work out? Can you just, can you just, that's, that's kind of how we do it. Just, let's just get this over right now. But not only in, in life situations, but in the situation of the presence of God, just like this story, God doesn't just pour it all out on us at once. He does it little by little. And then what happens is sometimes, you know, he got a dollar for going fishing with him, and you'd have to pay me more than a dollar to go fishing. Amen. That's just me, though. Some of you would go for free, but it's, everybody's got different things they like. But 
he got a dollar, he got a nickel, he got a dime, he got a quarter, he got all this different stuff, and it was motivating him to seek his uncle's presence. A lot of times we don't, don't we think, am I doing something wrong? In this story, uh, D wasn't doing anything wrong. He was listening to his uncle, but he, he grasped the, finally grasped the concept that D was, he wasn't buying his time, but he was giving what he had. All, that, all those nickels basically were his. He basically he brought that suitcase of nickels for D. But he said, I'm not going to give them all to you at once because if I do, then you won't seek me. Maybe, you've, maybe that's making sense to you. Sometimes you're thinking, God, why don't you give me the whole answer? Why, why don't you always just, I mean, I mean, we should expect that and want that. We should come to every service saying, God, pour out your presence on me. Pour out your spirit on me. Fill me up to the top. I want everything you have. That's good. But there's times when we might leave and we might think, man, uh, was it the songs we sang or, or, or what, what, did I have a bad attitude? Or we can question all these things. And, and, and many times it has, there, there are circumstances that can cause the presence of God not to be around. But I'm telling you that many times God holds back because he wants us to seek him. He has all the presence. In the, he, he, and can you imagine if you stop for a second, think about what if he did? If God poured out his presence tonight in the fullness of who he is, we'd all be dead. That none of us would make it out of here alive. We would not be able to stand, our physical bodies would not be able to stand the full presence of God. And so he does it little by little, and he gives us spurts and bursts, and then he gives us times and moments where we look back and we say, man, that, that was, you know, think about it. Is it, is it like that, that the message was so much different or was it some, you know, there are certain songs. Obviously, we all have songs. If you hear it on the radio or whatever, it's just, bam, that's your song. There's songs that do that for you. But what I'm talking about in general is just how, how he wants to pour his presence out on us, but he doesn't do it all at once. So it means that God wants to be your best friend. God wants you to be in his presence. Amen? Here's some Old Testament examples. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them, and you can just write them down. In Genesis chapter 21 and verse 22, the Bible says that God's presence was so evident in Abraham's life that even the heathen recognized the difference between their lives and his. Now, I don't know about you, but my personal desire is that. That is, that is my personal desire, that if I get around somebody they see something in me that they do not have. Amen? How many want that? Some of you are praying for family members. Some of you are praying for friends and neighbors. You, you, you need to not just pray. You need to seek the presence of God so that you're so full of his presence that when you get around them, it's not the words you said or the things you thought or the way you prayed. It's the presence of God that comes out of you that people see in you and they say, there's something that you have I don't have. I don't know what it is, but I want it. It says in Genesis 21, 22, Abimelech spoke to Abraham and said, God is with you in all that you do. I want people to say that about me. God is with you in all that you do. And the heathen king was basically saying, here's our language, Abraham, there's something different about you. God guides you. He preserves you and he blesses you wherever you go. That's the kind of life we should, we should want to live. Joshua chapter 1, 
verses 5 and 6. And I'm running through these quick, so don't try to, try to look for it. God promised Joshua that no enemy could stand against him when God's presence was with him. Okay, this is not about me and you fighting a physical carnal battle. This is about God's presence being so strong in us that the demons turn around and say, not today, devil. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fighting him or her today. The presence is so strong around them. I might come back another time, but I'm not doing it right now. Amen. Now, how many noticed at, at the, at the praise and worship and the prayer that when we come in with an attitude of this and we hadn't even preached about it yet, and we all of a sudden stop worrying about tomorrow or coming from work or the fight we had coming or the things that we're going through or being tired or whatever it is, and we just close our eyes and lift our hands to God, the presence of God begins to come into this place. It begins to break chains. It begins to change lives. It begins to remove burdens. And all of a sudden you feel something lift, and the presence of God is here. That's powerful. I don't know if you all felt it, but there was a moment there which just lifted. Amen. It just lifted. You just felt it. And then, and then we, we, I want to remind you something, church. We're Pentecostal. Amen. What does that mean? It means we're full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We, we can talk out loud. We can pray out loud. You can shout. You can be excited. We're not at a funeral. I don't see a casket here anywhere. Amen. Nobody died. As a matter of fact, somebody's alive tonight. Amen. His name is Jesus. I heard an awesome song this week that said, victory has a name. It's Jesus. Victory has a name. It's Jesus. So he said, there shall not, Joshua 1, 5 and 6, be any man able to stand before you all the days of your life. He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Be strong and be of good courage. Did you hear what he said there? There shall not be any man able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, I got a question for you. Maybe you're thinking, well, that's Joshua. Joshua was a mighty man of valor. Let me ask you a question. Does God love Joshua more than he loves you? Then why don't we expect that for us to? Why don't we say that God wants that for my life? That nobody will be able to stand against me all the days of my life and that I will not, he will not fail me, he will not forsake me. I can be strong and of good courage because when God's spirit is with us, amen, no enemy can harm us. Amen, do you believe that? That's every single one of us bringing something to the service, bringing something to our workplace, bringing something to the store, bringing something to wherever you go. I, I, I want to have God's presence so strong in my life that when I walk in, the atmosphere changes. Come on. I can't make you desire that, but I desire it. How do I get that? I have to seek God. I got to be in his presence. Amen. I got to be, how many know that you are and act and talk who you hang around with? You talk like, act like, and be like those you hang around with. So if you're in the presence of God, then the presence of God is going to be around you. And we need to seek that. We need to want that in our lives. Let's go to Judges chapter 6. You might be there still in the Old Testament. Judges chapter 6. Verse 12, dedicated to the presence of God. Give me an amen when you get there. Gideon, 
mighty man of valor. Okay, how many know that you've heard that Gideon's a mighty man of valor? You've heard that before. Guess what? He didn't start that way. Gideon didn't start as a mighty man of valor. He started very timid. He was very shy. You know, we see Moses, oh, man, he parted the Red Sea, powerful man of God, but he, he couldn't even talk. There's something that the presence of God does that we cannot do on our own. So maybe we try too hard sometimes to do things, and we're all guilty of it in our own strength instead of trusting in God. Verse 12, Judges 6, says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God speaks stuff over us that we don't have? Doesn't God speak things over us that we're not? Doesn't he believe in us more than we believe in ourselves? He does. Amen. He's, he's speaking this over Gideon. Mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, look what Gideon says. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? I don't think anybody's ever asked that question before, have they? And where are all his miracles with which, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Listen, there's a lot of guys and girls in the Bible that I really admire, and sometimes I really want to slap them. I can't understand people sometimes. He heard God's voice tell him, mighty man of valor. I wouldn't have had to ask the next question he just said. Y'all here? Are y'all reading what I read? Why would you ask that? Well, oh, why aren't you with us? Why would he ask that? He just told him that I'm going to go with you wherever you go. He just told him, you're a mighty man of valor. I'd be like, thank you, God. Let's do this. No, 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 he doesn't do that. He goes and says, well, if, you know, if the Lord's with us, if you're really with us, if I'm a mighty man of valor, you know, sometimes God's trying to bless you, speak to you, speak through you, and use you, and you can't stop complaining long enough to let God do it. Amen. Come on. Why are we complaining if he just told us, hey, you're a mighty man of God. I believe in you. Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, he, so here's the cool thing about God. He doesn't always pay attention to our stupidity. Amen. I'm really thankful for that. He could have done what I just said. He could have just said, Psst, what's wrong with you? But instead of that, he said, hey, go in this might of yours. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And then we know that Gideon went. Why? Why, why was he able to go? Because he understood that the presence of God was with him. Okay? When he said, go in this might of yours, that means he had an understanding of the presence of the Lord. And it says, have I not sent you? Now, now I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 15. I want to show you something very interesting. As we begin to get to Jeremiah chapter 15, I want you to understand tonight that God is, is, is in control and going to move and is powerful regardless of anything you're going through. What, what sets apart, and remember as you're listening to messages, messages being preached, every person individually sits there and takes that message as a challenge or as, or as something that they can't handle, or every person digests the word, the word differently. But God is always challenging us. 
He's always speaking to us and wanting us to believe. And I'm telling you tonight that if you'll get the revelation that God's presence is greater than any problem you can go through, you will be able to walk victoriously. You will. You, but you have to understand that. You have to realize, I'm going through a struggle right now, physically, financially, maritally, spiritually, whatever it is, but God's presence is with me, and that's all I need. I'm not going to read this tonight, but how many remember the story of David? He says, we sing the song. He says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Could anybody in here tonight tell me one thing, monetarily, physically, anything, that would be more, present, more important than the presence of God. Nothing. There's absolutely nothing. And think about it. We all have needs. We all go through ups and downs. Sometimes we come in on a Wednesday night and everything's good. Sometimes we come in on a Wednesday night, we're going through a real struggle. So remember, we remember life? Coming into a struggle, in a struggle, leaving a struggle. Coming into a battle, in a battle, leaving a battle. That's life. So every Wednesday night... All of us are in different places. Some of you are coming out of a struggle and victorious. Some of you are right in the middle of one, and some of you are just about to head into one. That's life. I'm not speaking that over you. It's just a fact. But the difference is, is how we handle it. And the Bible's telling me here that if the presence of God is in my life and around me, it don't matter. It don't matter. It goes back to making lemonade out of lemons. If God's presence is with me, and that's the place you need to get to, the place I have to be at, we have to be at a place where we say, God, I don't care what's going on, just don't let your presence leave me. Just give me your presence. If I can feel your presence, if I can know your presence is with me, if I can know you're by my side, I can go through anything. That's where we got to get to that place. We need to live and stay in that place. Now, obviously, we have an enemy who doesn't want us to be in that place, Okay. Now, this is interesting. Jeremiah 15. Are you there? I don't think I told you the chapter. I don't know if I did or not. Jeremiah 15. This is interesting. He says to Jeremiah, verse 15, of, sorry, chapter 15, verse 20, I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall. Pay attention to this. And they will fight against you. That's not a very good start, okay? But they shall not prevail against you. Now, before I keep reading, how would you like God to tell you, hey, I'm going to do something for you, but at the same time, the people that you're going to work with are going to reject you? Think about that. You're witnessing. How many times do we witness and we get rejected? How many people stop witnessing because they get rejected? Right? And I ask you to raise your hand, but we, 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 we feel that rejection. And we don't understand that God is doing something in us, even in the rejection. Because they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the king. But in the midst of us, he says, go. Have, have you ever had God tell you, go minister to somebody, go witness to somebody, go preach to somebody, go share Christ with somebody, and, and they reject you. And you go, God, why did you tell me to go? Re why? We just automatically assume that if he tells us to go talk to somebody, they're just going to fall on their knees and just repent and cry and get saved right there and, and come to church the next service. That's what we expect. But what if God is doing something in you more than he's doing it in the person you're talking to? 
What if he's showing you that whether they accept you or reject you, his presence is with you? What if that person that you talk to about Jesus and share your faith with that rejects you initially to your face goes away and later on down the road gets saved because you spoke life to them and they felt the presence of God when they talked to you, even though they rejected you? I have heard that time and time and time again in my life, where, and it gives me motivation to continue to preach and witness to people because they'll tell me later, man, this person kept talking to me, this person kept witnessing to me, this person kept being Christ to me, and I didn't get saved at that moment, but down the road, I did because of the seeds that they sowed in my life. The presence of God is a seed. Amen. The presence of God is a seed. So he says, let's read on. Let's start again, 20. I'll make you a, uh, to this people a fortified bronze wall. They'll fight against you, but they will not prevail against you, for I'm with you to save you and to deliver you. I'll deliver you from the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem you from the grip of the terrible. It doesn't matter what God tells you to do. Say, God, if your presence goes with me, I'll go. Now think about this. This is going to sound weird. What if you lost a battle? But the presence of God was there. Think about that. I know it sounds weird. What if it, I'm not talking about dying, being defeated, but you, you, might, you might lose a battle sometimes. You might, things might not go the way you want to at that moment, but you knew the presence. That happens all the time in the ministry. We can have a, we can have a service and a thousand things can go wrong. The projector can turn off. The AC cannot be hot enough. And, of course, these are first world problems I'm talking about, by the way. Um, the, the, the something, something could be out of tune. People can be late. People can have, whatever. A thousand things can happen. We can still walk out of the service later and say, you know what? There was a lot of issues, but the presence of God was there. Right? Or would it be better if we came into a service and everything was right? The songs were saying perfect. The music sounded perfect. The AC was perfect. Uh, every, everything was perfect, but there was no presence. Which one do you want? I know which one I want. Amen. That's, that's, that's what God is really wanting in our life. Things might not work out the way we want it to work out, but he says at the end of the day, but, but, but did you feel my presence? Did you seek my presence? Did you, did you stay in my presence? Right? What, that's what the devil wants us to do. Devil wants us to get away from, devil wants these things to happen so that we turn our back on God. We need to be in that place in our life. No, 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 no. I'll praise you in the storm, Casting Crown says. I will praise you in the storm. Amen. I'm, I'm, listen carefully. Amen. Give God glory. Amen. Some of the best times in my life have been in the, in, of the presence of God, have been in some of the most difficult times in my life. That's a fact. So we need to almost get to where we understand life is a situation where we say, okay, I'm going through a test. This is going to be a testimony. We need to go through the same way. I'm going through a real struggle, but if I believe God's promises, then what's going to happen in this struggle is I'm going to experience God's presence greater than I do when I don't. Right? That's powerful. So there's a condition that's attached to getting and maintaining the presence of God in our lives. And here it is. We have to recognize it. We have to recognize the presence of God. 
We have to be able to understand that his presence gives us favor. Amen. Favor where things don't make sense. I'm not going to read it for time, but you can write down second or have you go there. Second Chronicles chapter 14. You can maybe read it later as, as devotion or something. There's a story there about King Asa. And he's he's leading the he leads the armies of Judah into a victory, listen to this, of over one million people in Ethiopia. One million man army. Okay? He leads this thing, and here's what he says, okay? Everybody here just heard that, right? One million people. That's a lot of people. In anything, that's a lot of people. So King Asa leads these guys in in 2 Chronicles 14, and here's what he says. What you would imagine in a war like that, when something just crazy victorious happens and you defeat a whole lot of people, that a king would stand up and say, man, you know, we were really good with our swords that day, and man, our armor was strong, and we were, we were well fed, and we were rested, and we, all these things that would make sense. Okay, how, how many have ever heard or watched the movie or heard a story about the six-day war with Israel? It's powerful. If you've never heard that, read it, find out about it. Same idea. Supernatural. Here's what King Asa says. So it's almost like, Hey, Asa, let's do an interview. What's your plan for defeating these one million people? Got the microphone on him. He says, Asa cries out to the Lord his God. This is in 2 Chronicles 14, 11, And says, Lord, it is nothing for you to help. Whether by many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God. Watch this. For we rest on you. We rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. How different would our life be if we would not get so busy and so caught up in life that we do everything except run to God? Amen. That we rely and rest so much in his presence that we can say, God, it doesn't matter what I'm fighting. We're going to win this. And he says, at the end of it says, oh, Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. And it says, so the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Well, what did he say? For we rest on you. So here's what we've got to do as I begin to close. Deuteronomy 4.29. Write this down. We have to continue. To seek God's presence. Amen? We have to continue to seek. How, how often? How often should we seek God's presence? Once a week? Two or three times a week? Always. Amen. That's, that's not a trick question. It's a, it's a real question. Here's what Deuteronomy 4.29 says. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if what? Does anybody know how that ends? Anybody know how it ends? If you seek him with all your heart and all your soul. Amen? That's a a promise. You will seek the Lord and find him. So maybe right now in your life, God is just standing there waiting for you to seek him. Maybe it's been a while since you sought his presence. Maybe it's been a while since you just took time to worship him, to pray, to thank him. Amen? There's a lot of stuff we do, like coming tonight on a Wednesday night is super important. 
It's a powerful thing to say, I'm going to church on Wednesday night. And, but we can get into the rut and the routine of doing what's right, but not really seeking his presence. So we have to remind ourselves as we come to church, we have to, let's sing that last song we sang, by the way. Let's sing that, we're going to sing that, I Surrender Again. So we have, to, we have to get to a place where we are, are seeking him continually and, and where we wake up in the morning and we say, God, I cannot get through this day without you. If you don't go with me, I'm not going. If, if you're not by my side, I'm not, I'm not doing nothing. I'm standing still. I'm, I, try, I need your presence so much that I'm afraid to do anything without it. How many know we need to be in that place? I'm afraid to do anything without your presence. But it's like that song we sing about, I surrender all, and it says, though none go with me, I still will follow the cross before me, the world behind me. The reason we can have that kind of attitude is because we know God is with me. And it, and it may seem like an overstated verse, but you get to the place where you say, I, I know that if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen? How many want to live that kind of life tonight where you say in your spirit, not just with your mouth, but in your spirit, you say, if God is for me, who can be against me? Here's another verse to write down, Proverbs 8, 17. I love those who love me. Doesn't that sound like the verse that, Dwayne mentioned at prayer, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he loves us. And it says, those who seek me diligently will find me. Amen? Diligent means, you know what that diligently means? Consistently and constantly. goes back to the devoted part. Okay, now think about this. Last 30 seconds. Why are we in this building? Why do we have a building? Why do we have a place to come? Because we've dedicated a place to congregate. We've dedicated a place that we say in certain days, at certain times, we're going to be together. We're going to come praise and we're going to come worship. We're going to listen to the word. We're going to pray. We're going to seek God. If we do that corporately, we have to do it individually. Okay? How many want inside so deeply and strongly to see a mighty, amazing, supernatural, unexplainable, only God gets the glory move of God. I know we do. I know we do. Amen. I know we want to see it. I know we want to see, I, I, I know we want to see the time when, when the cars just don't stop coming in here. And we have to stand outside because there's so many people coming in and so many people in these chairs that we got to stand out there in the fellowship hall and stand out in the welcome center and sit on the stage because there's something so powerful happening in here, but it's his presence. It's not the preaching. It's not the songs. It's not the beautiful building God's given us. It's the presence of God. We can do all this work. We can, we can make a beautiful building and have a beautiful place right off of the freeway and all these things and get so caught up in just life and forget what really matters, which is the presence of God. So let's stand tonight and let's seek him for a few minutes. This is only our, actually I was going to say our, this is our first Wednesday, isn't it? Our first Wednesday. What a great night to just seek his presence for a few minutes. And as we do it, we're saying, Lord, we dedicate this place to the presence of God. There's a lot of things 
that are going to happen. Lots of outreaches, lots of ministry, lots of things we're going to do. But that everything we do is around the presence of God. Amen? Don't you want, if you invite someone to come to church and you're witnessing to them and they get here, don't you want them to say as they leave, the presence of God was there. Amen? The presence of God was in that place. There's something there. The owner of this building, the Sunday when we had church, he called me about four, and he, he said, man, how to go and all that. And he told me that when he walked in here, he could feel the presence of God. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we want. That's better than anything else that, hey, the chairs look nice. Hey, it looked like you guys got some stuff together. That's the best thing I want to hear. I don't know about you. More than somebody telling me, man, what a great message, or man, what none of that matters. I want to hear people say, I felt the presence of God in this place. Amen. He's here. He was there. He moved. Because there, those are the things you're going to remember. You might not remember the title of a message or the verses that were preached, but you're going to say, man, I met God there. Amen. So let's, let's, let's bow our heads for a second. Father, we thank you for this, this time together to meet, to, to worship, to seek your presence. Lord, if we do that diligently, corporately in this place tonight, your presence will always be in this place. And Lord, we'll, we'll do it officially one day, but tonight we want to dedicate this place to the presence of God. We want the presence of God to be so strong in this place. Lord, that it's in the nursery, that it's in the Sunday school rooms, that it's in the, in the kitchen, it's in the bathrooms, it's in the entryway. It's everywhere, God. It's just, your presence just fills this place. And we know that when we come together, even when things don't work out the way we want them to work out, even when things don't happen exactly the way we plan them, that we leave and we say we were in the presence of the living God. Tonight, I want you just to find a place as we begin to sing this song. We're going to sing that last worship song, I Surrender Again. Let's all find a place tonight, and let's take a few minutes to seek his face and seek him continually, the Bible says. Amen? Hallelujah. Just really, really lift your voice. Just really open your mouth. Just really begin to worship him and praise him and talk to him tonight. Amen? I surrender to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you.